Praise the Lord. Welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson. Glad you tuned in today. And uh, I encourage you to get your Bibles and follow along with us as we're studying the letter to the Galatian churches that the Apostle Paul wrote. Uh, might I add, under the unction of the Holy Spirit. We always need to remind ourselves that these aren't just words. This is the Word of God that God gave us, not only the church in Galatia, but us as well. The letter to the church in Galatia is also the letter to us. And don't, don't get too historical on us. It was to them, but it's as much to us as it was to them. And uh, that's the way God sees it. It is the Word of God. Uh, someone the other day when I, I made the comment about Proverbs 8 and 8 saying all the words of my mouth are in righteousness, they asked me, well, who said that? And they were, they were their mind process was, uh, well, all the words of whose mouth? Solomon or who wrote that? No, that's the Word of God. All the words of my mouth. I don't care if Paul says it here, God said it through him. I don't care if Paul, uh, Solomon, or, or David, or whoever said it back there, or Noah, or Job, God said it through them. This is the Word of God. Don't start getting technical on me and saying, well, that was just what he said. No, that's what God the Holy Ghost said through them. All the Word of God is for us today that we might apply faith as we see it by the Holy Spirit in truth, and then we can live that out. And I'm thankful to know those things today. You can't just uh, do with it what you want to do with it. You can only do with it what the Holy Spirit leads you to do with the truth and in the truth. So uh, today is the 11th of May, 2018, and it's session 26. We're in chapter 3. Our website is thecrosswaychurch.com. Our physical address is 610 Highway 59, Queen City, Texas, 75572. For those of you who donate, online. Thank you and God bless you. Those of you who mail your giving in, uh, God bless you and thank you. And uh, we give you two avenues. Our website, in case you're watching this on YouTube or Facebook, our website is thecrosswaychurch.com. There's a donate button there. And by the way, we have a church app on iPhone and all the smartphones. It's called Crossway Church where you just click on it and there we are. Our worship services, our Galatians teaching and, and other things on there. Just click on it and boom, it pops right up. Don't have to go to a website and deal with all that. So I encourage you to, to follow us on the different avenues that God has given us to be out there, not because it's just us, but because we are following Christ and uh, teaching and preaching and sharing His Word as it is in truth. Let's pray today and ask God to give us the bread we need today. Father, we thank You today for the opportunity to have Your Word before us, to have our eyes set upon Your written Word, to, Lord, to have our minds stayed upon You through faith in the sacrifice. And God, we thank You for uh, taking Your Word today and, and imparting it into our hearts, God, that we that faith would come, that we would be able to truly do more than say we live by faith, but we would truly be found living by faith, God. We ask you to give us a greater revelation of your Son, Jesus Christ, today, and the, the context of the Scriptures we're about to read today. We ask you for the daily bread that we desperately need. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Praise God. Uh, don't forget about our YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316. It's where all these messages are uploaded. My Romans teaching, all our worship services are there. Avail yourself to those. And uh, for those of you who have ears to hear, you will appreciate the teaching and the preaching from this ministry. I just encourage you to sit still with your Bibles and listen to the Lord when you listen uh, to the Word of God. Uh, we are in chapter 3, as we said, and we are, well, let's just back up to verse 1 and roll to verse 3, where we're going to start today, <clears throat> unless you all hold me up somewhere else. Uh, verse 1, chapter 3, O foolish Galatians, which means unwise, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you? You see how he relates the message they heard of Jesus Christ and Him crucified, the faith they placed in that being born again. He relates that to them obeying the truth. Romans 6 bears that out as well. Who's bewitched you? Who's, who's caused you to be unwise? Who's told you something different than I told you when I was here? What is it that moved your faith from that to something else? This only would I learn of you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Did you receive the Spirit of God by what you begin to do or what you begin to believe? By the hearing of faith, the Spirit of God came. We need to remember that. When you have ears that hear, it's because you're listening to what the Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth, is giving to you. And if you believe by faith what he's trying to give to you, then he will impart that to you. First of all, his work is to share with you, to try to get you to believe it. Once you accept it, then he moves in you and he moves you. Truth moves you. And that's, you know, and I hate to bring this up all the time, but folks who are in these churches who claim they know the message of the cross, but their preacher's not preaching it, I don't want to be ugly, but right now that faith is just in your head. When faith comes and gets in your heart, it moves you. It, faith, faith in your head will keep you still. You're, this is where we reason it out. This is where we believe in our hearts. It has to pass through the mind, I understand that. And it may take people longer than others. But let me tell you something. You won't be moved till it gets in your heart. Because it's with the heart that we believe. It's with the mind that we reason. But it's with the heart that it moves us. And when faith comes, faith moves us. If we're not moving, it's because faith hadn't come. We might be learning the right things to say, but let me tell you something. When faith comes, it will move you. It moved Noah to build an ark. It moved Moses to go get God's people. It moved David to step up with a, a rock and a sling. Faith moves the people of God. If I'm not moving, it's because my faith is not biblical. Mm. If I'm not moving, it's because my faith is not biblical. We need to understand. I don't like your preaching, son. I'll still love you, and you can't prove me wrong. You can't prove me wrong. So I, I needed to say things like that along the way because a lot of people think they're okay. You're not okay. If you're not moving, faith moves you. And if it, let me say this before we move on this morning. If you think you're being moved and it's not truth, that's moving you, then it, it ain't the Lord moving you. Mm. All right. This only would I learn of you. Somebody please tell me. Did you actually receive the Spirit by what you did, the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? 
He's telling them, you didn't receive it by what you did, but by what you believed. The Spirit came. The Spirit baptized you into the body, the death of Jesus. The Holy Spirit came and began to work miracles among you, saved you. The Holy Spirit came upon your hearing, which means believing, receiving of faith. The truth, the message of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Verse 1. Verse 3 says, Are you so foolish... Having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Now, this is a powerful statement for those who have ears to hear, who hear the Word of God in its righteous context, in the truth it's written. And and, and, and you need to understand today that Paul, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and I, I'd rather just say it, God the Holy Ghost is saying to you and me today, listen, you began in the Spirit upon the hearing of faith, are you now going to begin to try to work it out on your own, the works of the law? Are you going to go back and, and, and believe that now you go have to go back and be circumcised because they're telling you to? Are you, go, are you now going to think that you have to uh, speak the words or, or, or do these things for victory now or for sanctification, for the work of perfection that only the Holy Spirit can do? Think about that. We've got a church in trouble here. We've got a church in trouble today all over the world. The church is in trouble. It's worse today than it was then because at this point it was just going back and being circumcised and going back and trying to live under the law. It's the same issue today. It, it, they both bring death, whether it's uh, all the false seducing doctrines that are out there. If you move your faith from the cross, you're backsliding. And I thought about this this morning. Uh, you know, a lot of us came out of churches that are not preaching the cross. They're not revealing the Word in its righteous context. And the moment you left that church and you begin to learn God's Word as it is in truth, you begin to be established. You begin to be established. You begin to grow and move forward in the light. And all those that refused to move that direction and go with you, they're not only, they're, they are not where they were when you left them. They're in deeper darkness as the days go by. We don't stay where we are. We're growing in our fellowship with the Lord or we're moving farther and farther, resisting more and more, even if we don't know it. Even if we don't know it. So Paul here is asking them, at first he calls them foolish and then he says, are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit. Now this, this reveals something very profound. This tells us where we began in the Spirit. This tells us how we got in the Spirit. It ain't by lighting a candle and playing our favorite song and, oh, I'm about to get in the Holy, I'm about to get in the Holy Ghost. I, I'm about, no, you got in the Spirit when you received the truth of Jesus Christ and Him crucified and that became your truth, your saving truth. The Spirit of God came, moved in you, began to do a work in you. And that's why the letter is written to the Galatians and to us so that we will stay in the Spirit. Because if you, the, way we, the way we get out of the Spirit is when we move our faith from the cross to the good works that are biblical that we're doing. When I put my faith in my giving, my prayer, my this, my that, I don't care my faith in anything other than the cross, it hinders the work of the Spirit. It grieves the Holy Spirit. And so, 
when he, when he says, are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? He's revealing to us that you cannot be in a place of being perfected by the flesh, by what you do. And, and, and it's a very n- narrow here. We, we, I mean, there's not many people who are seeing this today because my, just about all, well, all Christians think they're right. What we're in's right, and there's so many today that value the church we came out of. We've been gone over 15 years now, and I'm gonna tell you right now what they value, and they don't even know this. What their faith is really in is how long they've been together. They hear the truth. They hear. Don't tell me they're not watching. They watching Brother Curtis. They because they just can't get over what they're hearing. They know it's right. They can't refute it. But and and but what they're what they're cling to and the 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 uh, the, the the stronghold that's in their life is ungodly and unhealthy relationships. An ungodly unity will hold you until death until you allow the truth to come and move you out of that. Listen. You can't let relationships hold you. Paul didn't let the relationship he had with these people that he had given the gospel and seen them saved. He he did not all of a sudden say, you know what, I better not say these things to them. They might cut me off. I, You know, I, I want them to love me. I want this unity to be there no matter what else is there. Paul said uh, when he was moved by hearing the Lord and faith again, here we're talking about it today, faith moves you. It'll move you to correct. It'll move you to instruct. It'll move you. It'll move you. Faith is going to always move you. If you're just going through the motions, just the same thing over and over, you're not being moved, you need to ask, where is my faith? Because faith in the sacrifice, people say it all the time, oh, my faith has been in the cross all these years I've been saved. And yet you watch them cheat on their taxes, you watch them just live a life of flesh, they don't even know their faith is not in the cross anymore. They've been moved away from faith in the cross, they've been seduced, they've been deceitfully uh, seduced by, by the enemy. You can think that your faith is in the cross. Here's what the devil does. He says, okay, you keep your faith in the cross, that's fine. The devil will tell you that, but you also have to. Because here's what the devil knows. If you ever believe you also have to, you're telling God that wasn't enough. So my faith is really not in Christ and what he did at Calvary. It's in that and, and any and plus removes your faith from the cross. Because either that was finished, what we needed, either it was a done deal or it wasn't. Which which is it? It's finished. Amen. So, are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, means by faith in the cross, or are you now made perfect by the flesh? And what Paul is actually telling us here, revealing to us here, anything other than what got you in the Spirit is the flesh. Now that is a mouthful. Anything other than faith in Christ and Him crucified is a work of the flesh. Think about that. My goodness. If my faith doesn't remain in the sacrifice of Christ, then my entire ministry is a work of the flesh. Preachers that do not know the message of the cross, whether they just don't know it or they've heard it and they reject it to God, that makes no difference. 
It's all a work of the flesh. And people hear this kind of teaching, they say, well, God honors the best he can do. God does not honor anything but faith. That's it. And that has to be the faith of the Son of God that loved us and gave himself for us. That's, that's so strong in my heart. That is so strong in my heart that we have separated so much. We've separated, and, and over here on this side, we've got the faith that comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Okay, that's out there. Now, on this side, something totally different, we've got the faith of the Son of God that loved us and gave Himself for us. My friends, you, you can't separate those two. The faith that we live by is the faith of the Son of God that loves us and gave Himself for us. And if that's not the faith that's coming upon hearing the Word of God, it's not the faith that's biblical. That's powerful. And we, now let's talk about something this morning. We, as people, we have been born into a world and we, God in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says He's placed eternity in our hearts. That's why every human being believes something. We all know there's an afterlife. Even those that are lying to themselves, uh, they believe there's an afterlife. God put it in our hearts. I heard a man recently tell a little girl when the little girl said, What's that over there? And he said, That's a, that's a funeral procession. And she said, What's that? And he said, Well, somebody died. And she said, Well, and it was her dad. And she said, Well, Daddy, little bitty girl, said, Daddy... What happens to people when they die? And he, 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 he was busy and he looked up at her and just kind of paused there for a minute. And he said, well, they go to a beautiful place where there's no problems and everything's perfect. And she said, well, how do you know that, Daddy? And he said, because that's what I choose to believe. We all believe in something. Even those that say they don't believe, they believe not to believe in something. But here's what I want to bring out. Do you know what determines what we believe? It's either the Word of God for the born-again people to save the Christians. But when, before you're a Christian, think about this. Now, before you're saved... You have your senses. You see, you smell, you taste, you hear, you touch. And that's what you live by. How many Christians have you ever heard say, well, that just ain't how I feel? I don't, I don't feel like you do. I don't see it like you do. Because we live in the flesh by our senses. And growing up as a kid, we're in the woods or we're in the city or we're looking at everything. I don't care if it's from the birds and the frogs to the cracks in the walls of the buildings of the city or the heavy traffic. And you're putting, you are putting things together. It's you, your mind. You're, you're putting things together. You smell the smells, you touch, you, you hear, you taste, you feel, and your senses are being exercised from the moment you get here. And the child of God, when he's born again, he takes a different place into Christ. He leaves, he should leave, having his senses exercised by the natural, fleshly, what we see, what we taste, hear, smell, touch. Now, Hebrews 5 says, now we exercise our senses by the word of righteousness. Righteousness. 
How we feel is based on the Word of God. What we smell, taste, see, our whole lives have been changed. It all now flows through the Word of God in its righteous context into our lives. And now that is how we change and grow, not by the natural, but by the spiritual. So, and again, all our lives when we heard something, we said, well, that ain't what we believe. Or that's not how I feel about that. Or everybody's got their own way they interpret Scripture. That's all fleshly. This is how we see it. They see it this way. This is how they feel about it. Well, inside the church, there shouldn't be they and us and them. It should be just all us and we. And we should all have the same eyes to see the same thing that's written in the Bible. And if we would all come back to seeing the Scriptures written in its righteous context, then we would feel the same way about the Scriptures. We would see the same thing. We would speak the same thing. We would hear the same thing. We would be moved all in the same direction. But because there's so much flesh, we, we, most of the church has never left its fleshly uh, senses being exercised by the natural. And that's why we use, as preachers, we use natural things and then we just throw a scripture in at the end. And that's not the will of God. We are to let, we are to begin with scripture, not a joke. It's very popular today for a preacher to get in the pulpit and begin his service with a joke. Why does he do that? Because he don't even know he's doing it, my friend. But he's trying to get us in a place where our senses in the natural can be exercised. And we're not in a church service for our natural fleshly senses to be exercised, but for our spirit man to be exercised by the Word of righteousness. So we begin with the Word, we preach the Word, teach the Word, and then we end with the Word. Think about that. That's powerful. God doesn't need any of our fleshly help. He doesn't need to use the Texas Rangers or the Dallas Cowboys or any movie Hollywood's producing to get a point across. All He needs is you to believe His Word. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. So, we need to understand, that. Are, are our senses being exercised by the word of righteousness? It's not just the word, it's God's word of righteousness. He says, I'm going to quote it till the rapture comes, Proverbs 8 and 8. All the words of my mouth are in righteousness, and righteousness is nowhere existent for man except in Christ through faith in the sacrifice. Not just initially for salvation and the status of being righteous, but for us to be able to be led by the Holy Spirit in the path of righteousness and to bear out the fruits of righteousness. That's why Paul wrote this letter under the unction of the Holy Spirit. You're, you're going in a place where the Holy Spirit's not leading you. You're going in a place where the Holy Spirit's not going to be able to produce the fruit in you. You're not going to be able to get, have the fruits of righteousness. You're going to be rejecting God in this manner. You're moving in a wrong direction. Don't tell me the church is not there. People are posting stuff claiming they're trying to help people spiritually on Facebook every day and other avenues. And listen, if it's not the Word of God, 
I'm not talking about things talking about the Word of God. Those things aren't... Listen, you got to get... You're being seduced and pulled away from the Word of God. If we start just putting things in our own way and, and try to get people to think, I, I'm talking about the Word of God, that ain't the same thing as the Word of God. The Word of God is all we need. We don't need psychological little paragraph or two and then a scripture thrown in at the end. We need the Word of God. We don't live by what we think and what we say the Word. We live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God because we live by faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Three things about faith you need to always understand. God's not pleased without it. It only comes by hearing God's Word in the right context, its righteous, truthful context. And number three, it has to be the faith of the Son of God that loved you and gave Himself for you. It's not biblical. And I said it Wednesday night. I'll say it again this morning. If it's not faith that's coming, then it's flesh. Mm. Amen. But guess what? Both of them move you. Faith moves you. Flesh moves you. Flesh moves you. Out of fellowship. Flesh moves you away from the things of God. The Bible says if you sow to the flesh, you reap corruption. If you sow to the Spirit, you reap everlasting life. Amen. Then Paul goes on to say, Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? Now these People to be born again, these Galatians to be born again back in that day, it was no small thing just to be walk in some place, hear the gospel, and be born again, and then and then life just goes on. Man, when these people were born again, it changed everything about them, and others around them began to uh, persecute and criticize and and push out of their lives, and and they would they would I mean it was hard. It wasn't hard to be a Christian. It was hard to be in the situations they were in. And you suffered for being... You suffer in this Christian if you're living for Christ. That's why most Christians are not really concerned about living for Christ because that brings suffering, and we're trying to avoid suffering at all costs. Even if it costs us our, 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 our uh, uh, verbal uh, testimony. We'll shut up in a crowd and not say anything because we might have to suffer for it. We'll stay in a church not preaching the cross even when we claim we know the message of the cross because we're trying to avoid suffering. It's time to wake up. And it's time to get up. And it's time to move on. True faith will do that for you. Don't let relationships hold you. That's flesh. Oh, but God, I love these people. Do you? Faith works by love. Show them how faith works. They need to see that. Oh, mm. if you become a Christian, you're going you're gonna to suffer in this old world. The Bible doesn't say they that uh, uh, live godly are going to are going to suffer persecution. What does the scripture say? They that shall live godly shall suffer persecution. Is that what it says? No, it's not what it says. It says they that shall live godly in Christ Jesus 
shall suffer persecution. That means faith in the cross. Though who have the testimony, my faith is in the sacrifice of Christ. And I'm living according to that faith, for that's the faith of the Son of God that loved me and gave Himself for me. You better know persecution, criticism is coming your way. And the reason it hadn't been is because your witness is not there for that. If you live, when that's your testimony, you're not just posting little old, uh, t- sweet to-dos on Facebook trying to help people spiritually. When your testimony is the blood of Christ, when you're letting people know there's no way to be saved outside faith in the cross, there's no way to live for God, no way to have the Holy Spirit working in your life outside faith in Christ and what He did at Calvary, you better get ready. You better get ready. But listen, count the cost. For what does the Bible say in the in the in the book uh, uh, written to the Romans? I believe it's chapter eight uh, about the, the the present sufferings of this age are not even worthy to be compared to the glory that's about to be revealed in us. The suffering is not even worthy. The suffering, listen, it's okay to suffer if it's for the name of Christ and for the gospel. It's not okay to suffer if it's you suffering just on behalf of other people holding you captive. Faith needs to move us forward. They suffered. And Paul's telling them, listen, did you suffer in vain? Did you get saved? Did you believe in the message of the cross and it moved you? You were born again? You were filled with the Spirit. You saw the working of miracles. Was all, and, and you began to be criticized and persecuted and suffer things from your families, from your townsmen. You, is all that in vain? What he means is, if you're going back to the law, the criticism, the suffering is going to stop. Did, was all that you believed in vain? Was, was, was your suffering in vain? Because what you're going back to... You would have never suffered had you just stayed in that. He's trying to get them to see something. What you believed is worth your very life. What you believed is the only avenue by which the Spirit of God is going to be able to continue to perfect that which He began. It didn't ha- didn't start by the working of the law, and it can't be continued by the working of the law. And I know when people hear preachers like us, teachers like us, they think, what's he always talking about the law? We're, we're not under law. We don't live by the commandment. Let me tell you something. The law can be as something as easy as you or your preacher or your mama or grandmama telling you, Curtis, if you'll just do these two things right here, God will deliver you. If you'll just do these two things right here, God will set you free from that, and He'll begin to work and change your life. Can I tell you, that's law. They just put law before you. Paul really is not concerned. I mean, he's referring to the Ten Commandments and all the rituals and rites and ceremonies that the Israelites had lived by for thousands of years. But now Jesus came and fulfilled all that. And all that is seen in the light of who He is. And that's these, these folks today in our world that, what do they call Seventh-day Adventists, that think they have to have church on Saturday. And if they don't have church on the true Sabbath, which is Saturday, that you're going to hell. Well, i got news for you. Jesus is my Sabbath rest. He he fulfilled that. Those, again, are people who see God's Word outside of its righteous context. They see it through their senses. They see it, listen, blinded because they've not allowed... They say Christ is their Savior, but yet they're not seeing Christ in the Scriptures as far as living. 
They're just like the Galatians. The Seventh-day Adventists are just like the Galatians. They Hopefully they've received Christ, they've been born again, but now they're being taught that you got to meet and have your worship services on Saturday. And if you don't, you're a breaker of the law and you ain't going to heaven. Come on now. Jesus fulfilled that. Jesus became our Sabbath rest. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. Think about that. They begin to see, like the Galatians did, they begin to see the Scriptures in the light of the Judaizers were trying to get them. Keep looking at the law. Keep serving the law. God's not going to show up and just change all that in a twinkling of an eye. You better hope He did. He changed me in the twinkling of an eye. And it's being worked out again after years of setting aside my faith in the cross and being placed in many other things. But once again, I'm being changed and moved and, 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 and perfected by the Spirit of God through my faith in the sacrifice. Amen. Think about that. Are you learning the Word of God in its righteous context? If you're not, you're, you're believing me and tell you, you got to be water baptized to be saved and go to heaven. Once again, that's where we see the Word of God outside of its righteous context. Righteousness comes only through Christ and what He did at Calvary. Praise God. So the Bible goes on here to say, He therefore that ministers to you the Spirit and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Paul here again is trying to get them to look back and see what moved, what brought the Spirit, what allowed the Spirit of God to begin to change your life, what allowed the Spirit of God to begin a perfect work in you. It was not by what you did. I came, I preached the gospel to you, you believed it, and the Holy Spirit began this work. What makes us think that we're going to have to do something now to help God along? Abraham did that, and, and, and we're still paying for that today. You can't help God. God doesn't need your help. And I don't care how good a preacher makes it sound. God, I've heard preachers, even preachers that we know, and respect and honor say that God, God needs our help. God does not need my help. And they'll say things like, God needs our help in getting the gospel out. God does not need my help. I need to get the gospel out, but God doesn't need me in any form or fashion. You can't put God and the word need together. He has none. We are the only ones that have a need. We need to be saved. We need to share what's the message that saved us. And God will continue to use as we continue to see our need in Him and others need in Him. He has no needs. I don't care how powerful and pleasant and all oh, the wisdom they say the words with. Our God, my God, has no need. He does not need me to go do something. He will do it in those who see they still have the need. Mm. Don't be duped by preachers, however well they put it. God doesn't have a need. And they say it so wonderfully. God needs you to go preach the gospel so He can save the lost. 
No, we need to go preach the gospel so the lost can be saved and a wandering church can come home. But don't mix the word God and need. He don't have any. I know that just stumps a whole lot of people and they don't like that. Well, I still love you. God bless you. If you just hang on, you learn something instead of following a certain individual. Well, I'm just going to stick with what old brother so-and-so said. Well, you stick with him. You just stick with him. A lot of people can't hear the Word of God unless so-and-so or so-and-so says it. In all reality, those are the people that can't hear it anyway because they're just following so-and-so and so-and-so. Amen. There's so many people on, so I got 33 or 3400 friends on Facebook. Man, I'll be posting the Word of God as it is in its truthful and righteous context every day. And man, there ain't hardly nobody out of all that number that likes it or shares it. I post my picture of my grandkids and they flock on there like it's, man, the only piece of baloney left on the planet. And I'm like, yeah, they're watching, yeah, they're seeing it, but they're just not interested in the truth. They're not, because they're still living according to the flesh. And they'll even make up an excuse about what I just said. Well, I don't have to like it or share it to appreciate it. As a child of God, you're called to share the Word of God. You are called, not just preachers, if you are saved, you are called to share the gospel. Listen, Facebook's an easy way to do it. Just hit the share button. A lot of people watch our services here, and they won't share it. They like it. What what liking it do? What did liking that do? I'm not piling up the likes on my Facebook page. You need to share it. The gospel is not to be liked. It's to be shared. Hallelujah. And Facebook is just that. Facebook is about what your face is toward all the time. If your face is toward food, you post things about food all the time. If your face is about your family, you post stuff about your family all the time. If your face is about looking upon God and His Word, you post Scripture. Hallelujah! Nothing wrong with posting pictures of your family or the big meatloaf you cooked. Nothing wrong with that at all. I'm telling you, but it is Facebook. And when people see what we post, what do they think? When they see my name in Scripture, they see my face. Whether we even know we're doing it, they see who I am. So on Facebook, when, when people see what you post as a child of God, what are, what's people supposed to think about when they see you coming? Not how well you cook or how well you uh, play baseball or how well you do that. When a people see a child of God coming, they should see Jesus coming. Hey, let me write it for you this morning. Help us, help us this morning, Lord. Amen. Social media is to be social, and the Christian's social part is to present Christ. I know somebody's done turned me off. He ain't got to be that radical. Yes, you do. It took Jesus being radical enough to go to the cross to die for you, and God is calling you to be that radical to share Him at every point and every turn, everywhere you go. He is He is expecting to be expressed through you. That's why you're on the planet. 
That's why we are on the planet. And Christians have gotten away from that. They're known for their business. They're known for their cooking. They're known for their cologne. They're known for their shoes. They're known for their sporting ability. But we need to get back to the place where we're known for Christ in our lives. Mm. Amen. Just a little preaching this morning. He that ministers, he that serves to you the Spirit and works miracles among you, is he doing it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And we have to move on a little bit to see the revelation of all this. Look at verse 6. Even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Notice the first two words, even as. He's relating, did you start by the works of the law or did you start by... The hearing of faith, the believing. And even as Abraham believed, do you see where he's going with this? It wasn't by Abraham's doing, because there wasn't no law to do before Abraham. The law was what, 400 years, some hundreds of years after Abraham? The law didn't come to way after Abraham. And Abraham believed, look at this, and Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. I think I've said this before, it's worth saying again, Abram wasn't considered righteous to God. He didn't have uh, the righteousness of God imputed to him when he left Ur of the Chaldees. Because he got up and got out and went on. He didn't receive the righteousness of God. He didn't. He wasn't counted as the righteousness of God until he believed the gospel. That all that, that through the, his seed, referring to the coming Christ... Through his seed would all the nations be blessed. That's what he believed, and I think we shared it last week. Romans chapter 4 bears that what his faith was in, even as Abram believed. Let's look at that again today, since you forgot it from last week. Watch this, Romans chapter 4. This is, this is profound. This is, this is what it means to study the word in truth in its righteous context. Because it's all about Jesus. Romans chapter 4, here we are again, uh, but verse 3. For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that works is not the reward reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that works not, everybody say works not, works not, but believes on him that what? that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Think about that. Like the man who told his little girl, it's just what I choose to believe, that there's just a pleasant, perfect afterlife. He wasn't talking about heaven. He was just talking about, I choose, I choose to believe there's a perfect afterlife. That believing gets you nothing. It does not get you a perfect afterlife. The only thing that gets you a perfect Afterlife is being born again, believing in the God who justifies the ungodly through the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So when we see here in Galatians, Paul saying, even as Abraham believed God, he's taken them back before the law existed to make a point to them. It was when Abram believed God, not when Abram did something. And see, this was powerful, and I have to say this today, you know, and you have to know this, just as there will be many today who hear this, this taught, whether it's through this ministry or any other ministry, there will be some that grab a hold of it and say, Lord, forgive me, I've been seduced, I've been carried off, God, forgive me, I've got to get myself, I've got to get my family back on track, I've got to believe, I've got to come back. And there will be many that also who sat 
today, just like those that sat in the church of Galatia, Galatia, I'm sure that they heard it was only a letter. It wasn't even a man standing there preaching to them. It was a letter being written. Think about that. What would that move the church today if it wasn't somebody up there saying, Thus saith the Lord God. Hallelujah. If it was just a letter written, some people would start doing their... i got a letter to read to you today. Oh, well. <laughs> you know, they'd pull her... Well, if he's going to just read a letter, I'm just going to do my checkbook today, you know. This letter is the Word of God through the Apostle Paul. And there were those in that day, I'm sure, that said, Oh, that Paul guy... He's just too radical. He's too narrow-minded. You know, I, I, you know, the Judaizers, they're here with us. Because, see, a lot of us make it about where we are instead of what's said in the Word. You can't make it about where you are. God is, most, for most of us, God's trying to get us up and out of where we are so He can begin to do this work in us. I, this ministry that we have, almost 13 years now, we would never have it if, I, if God wasn't somehow, some way, able to get us up out of where we were. And we're kind of like Abraham. We, we just, it was God moving us, and we felt like it was God moving us. But listen, we were as wrong when we left Ur down the road as they were. We were just as wrong as they were, and they still are. We were just as wrong. And God, but first, God had to get me up and get me out of there, because as long as I was still there, surrounded by all that, and those people, in those relationships, He knew that I would value their relationships above the Word. But I thank God when they could no longer preach and tell me what they were preaching based on the Word, that at least I had enough sense and unction of the Holy Spirit to get up and get out from among them. Now, I was still as wrong as they were. I wasn't going the right direction. And even though, listen, we were both on the road to destruction, we were just on different sides of it. Not until I began to allow the Lord to teach me the truth of His Word, the message of the cross, the righteous context of His Word, was I able to stop and start going back the way the Holy Spirit leads. We need to remember that. Even as Abraham believed God and it was counted, accounted to him for righteousness. Notice, what God is after is us to have righteousness. That's what's going to get you, that's what brings the life to you. That's what gets you to heaven, being righteous. You ain't going to heaven without a righteous status. You've got to be righteous to get to heaven. And so only through the righteous one, Christ, and what he did to become our righteousness, will we not only get to heaven, but can we right now only live and be led by the Spirit in the path of righteousness and bear the fruits of righteousness. Think about that. That's powerful. That's why Paul brings in the word righteousness. Even as Abraham believed God, believed God, believed God, not worked for God, believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore, now he's still talking to the Galatians here who are in error. Know you therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Who are they that are of faith? They that just keep believing the truth that saved them. Keep seeing the Word of God through the truth that saved them. 
Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Abraham is called the father of our faith. Why? Because he believed in the God who would justify the ungodly. He believed in the promise of the seed. That through him, the seed, through his seed, speaking of Christ, that God would bless all the nations. Do you understand why when God said, I'll bless those that bless you, Abraham, and curse those that curse you, it wasn't really about the man, Abraham. It was about the seed that he carried. Abraham represented Christ in the Old Covenant as his faith was in a coming Christ. Jesus, talking to the religious leaders of his day, said, Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. Abram's faith was in the seed that was promised in the Garden of Eden. Now, I don't know who told Abram about that. I don't know how that happened. The Bible doesn't tell us how that happened. But it tells us the most important thing, that Abram believed. He believed. And that is what God determines what He's going to do in your life, whether you believe or not. If All the Galatians that were able to repent and come back and let this false error, this error go and push the Judaizers out of their life. Say, look, we're not going that direction. Don't you know they begin to suffer? The Judaizers begin to tell them, you're not going to heaven. I'm going to tell you, I don't care how strong your faith is, there's people that can come along and for a second try to bring fear into your heart. Do you understand what you're saying? That you're, you all think you all are the only ones that are right? You think you're the only ones that, you, you think you have to see Scripture the way you see it. And I tell you what, in a moment's time, if you're not careful and, and you've not becoming more and more determined to know nothing else, you can be moved away from this. And it's not by the drug addicts and the drunks. It's by people that you honor and love who are dear to you. They're dear to you. It'd be about like me all of a sudden coming to church one Sunday morning and saying, you know what, I had an angel appear to me in my bedroom last night and told me that, you know what, I need to start seeing Scripture in a different light. I need to start seeing it in the light of God's love and that God's love is so powerful that this angel told me God's love is so powerful nobody's going to hell, not even the devil's going to end up in hell. And that that's happened. Oh, Carlton Pearson, that happened to him. You had a mega ministry and said an angel showed up to him and gave him that that word about God's love. Listen, the Bible has already said, even if an angel from heaven come and tell you any other gospel than what I have preached to you, let them be accursed. So that's where we place those people. We're not ugly, obnoxious. We smile at them. How you doing? You know, can't say God bless you because they're not letting him. And plus God told us not to tell them that. You better get out of the habit of saying God bless you to people who are rejecting God. He can't bless them. And when you tell people who are of a a false faith, God bless you, you're sowing into their false faith when you say that. Well, well, they said God bless you. They must be okay. (laughs) You know, I know he preaches the cross, but he must be okay with my stuff too. I'm not okay with your stuff. Paul wasn't okay with your stuff. And here it comes. God's not okay with your stuff. God's not okay with your stuff. If it's not faith in the sacrifice, then God's not honored by it. Now, think about this phrase. We seek God in the Scriptures. We find Him only through the sacrifice. 
We seek God in the Word, but we only find Him through the sacrifice. Because faith only comes from hearing the Word of God through our faith in the cross. If our faith gets moved from the cross to the purpose-driven, the words we confess, the, the walk of Emmaus, all the new things that keep coming into the church over and over, all the winds of doctrine, and, 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 we, and we go with preachers who tell us, well, it's okay, brother, just, just take the good and spit out the bad. Just spit out the bones when you're eating. No, that, that's, that's, those are words of the devil. The Bible says we are to turn away from those that only have a form and resist the power of God. We're to mark those that cause division. And you're going to suffer criticism and persecution to some degree when you begin to point out those who are using God's Word in an unrighteous context. We do it because we love people. We don't do it for any other reason. Because if we, if we really love people, we're going to do what Paul did. We're going to point out the error that's there. We're going to tell them God loves them, but you're going away in which that love can't be experienced. And that's why he's bringing this in. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith are the, the same are the children of Abraham. And why did he say that to these Galatians? Because he's, they're being told by the, Jude, by the Judaizers, the legalists, who are no longer living for God, out of fellowship with God. They're living in sin, only serving sin of the flesh. And they're being told by the Judaizers that they're the children of Abraham. But Paul says, no, the children of Abraham are those of faith. They're not even of Abraham anymore. And Jesus confirmed that in his earthly ministry when he said, you're not of Abraham. If you were Abraham, you'd believe in me. Your daddy is the devil. Powerful. And Paul is here. Let's just quit saying Paul, the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit here is telling the church in error in Galatia and us today all over the world, the church, he's telling us that Abraham is not your father because of what you do. He's the father only of those who are of the faith. Even all of Israel, all of Israel who's died between the cross, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ, those who have rejected Him since then until now, they did not make heaven. They did not make heaven. They are not the children of Abraham. What did Paul say? All who claim to be of Abraham are not Abraham. Only those who are of faith. What's of faith? Those who believe in the justifier of the ungodly. Those who have their faith in the sacrifice. Jesus Christ. Verse 8, And the Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, he, he uses that because he's talking to heathen here. Galatians are considered heathen. Not the, 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 the Jewish people weren't considered the heathen. They were God's people. God chose them, as God, and He made them God's people. But the heathen are the Gentiles. And that's why He's talking to the Gentiles here, Galatians, that were Gentiles. He says, And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham. You know, most Christians don't even know that. That the gospel was preached to Abraham. It says it right here in our Bibles. Preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all the nations be blessed. 
Now, this confirms what I said earlier. This is where the gospel was preached to Abraham. This is where Abram believed, and this is where Abram was justified. When he believed what? The gospel. Why? Because Paul later on writes in, 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 in to the church in Rome, chapter 1, verse 16, 17, that in the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed. Let's look back at Galatians 4.13, for that is where the, the story is concerning here, where Paul is referring back to. And all Paul ever did, and boy, we need to know this like never before, all the apostle Paul ever did was take the old covenant and reveal Christ. That's all he did. Can we start doing that again, preachers? Can we start doing that again? Can we stop revealing money and marriage and children? Can we just start using all of God's Word to reveal Christ? That's all the Holy Spirit wants to reveal. If we'll just reveal Christ in the Scriptures or preach God's Word in truth, then the Holy Spirit can show forth that righteousness. The people of God can walk in the path of righteousness. And in that path, the Holy Spirit can bless and strengthen our marriages, train our children up in the way they should go, bring the finances into our lives we need, remove sickness, infirmity. If we'll just let the Holy Spirit reveal the truth of God's Word to us, through us, and then God, through what He's allowed to do in and through us, will do for others what we want to see done. Amen. Genesis 4.13. Is that what we said? Genesis 4... Uh, uh, nope, nope, nope. Uh, Genesis 12, 1 through 3. I'm sorry. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. 3. 3. 3. 3. <laughs> Genesis 12, 1 and through 3. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of, my, out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. In thee. Did you get that? That's what... That's what Paul is referring to here. That's the gospel. In Abraham, in Abraham, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. That is powerful. That's the gospel that he believed. That in him, all the nations of the earth, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And as I said a while ago, what God meant when He said, All those that bless you, I'll bless, that means bless what He believed. Now, it also was a natural thing. If they try to hurt you, I'm going to hurt them. And today it still stands, that promise still stands today. Whoever tries to mess with even the fleshly lineage, I don't care what these new age preachers say, when you start tapping around on that fleshly lineage of Abraham, God is going to tap around on you. I remember back when America... Uh, was so uh, driven about giving a portion of the land of Israel to uh, the Philistines. And I'm telling you, and when we were involved in that, Katrina, the Hurricane Katrina, struck our nation. You better watch out when you mess with them. I don't care. They're still Abraham's lineage. 
I don't care what these preachers say today. So back to Galatians. we got about a minute and a half left. And the Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen, that's me and you, through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. Paul here is referring to that being the gospel. That's the Bible. So then they which be of faith are blessed with with faithful Abraham. But do you see that Paul here, the focus is not Abraham, it's the gospel. It's not, it's not Abraham. He became our father of faith because he's the first one to have imputed unto him through faith righteousness. To, well, let's say it this way, because before him was Abel considered righteous before God because of his faith in the sacrifice. But Abram is the man that God chose to begin to build his nation. That, but he is the one the Bible calls our father of faith. He is the one that God took on the mountain and showed him, gave him a revelation of what his seed would do, what Christ would do one day. That's what Christ meant by Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. Another confirmation that Abraham believed in the gospel. It's about the seed. It's not about who I am. It's about the seed that I carry, my faith being in the gospel. It's powerful. So then they which be of faith, that's me, are blessed with faithful Abraham. And the blessings that Abraham walked in are blessings for us to walk in. That God would bless him coming in and going out, make him the head and not the tail. And all the blessings that God promised his people are promises that you and I can have. Of course, not in their fullness like we're going to have one day. But I'm telling you, the blessings of Abraham still flow into our lives because we believe the gospel. And now today, we see... In a greater measure, something more than Abraham saw. And I know people might not agree with that, but that's the truth. Because Abram lived under the old, the old covenant. He could, he could only uh, see uh, partly. He saw the day. He, he believed in the gospel, the sacrifice. But know this, you and I are under a new covenant with better promises. Our eyes have been opened. We, we're, Abraham only lived in types and shadows, was one himself. But we don't live in that day anymore. We live in the light. We walk in the light. Praise God. We're out of time. And uh, don't forget to share the message with your social media buddies and friends and people of faith. And I'll see you right here next time on Cross Time with Pastor Curtis.